0: We're so pumped that you guys chose to be here with us in church as we continue our series. You know, I would love for you guys to just take a second and feel free to go ahead in just a minute when I say go to shout out one of the worst movies you've ever seen. And I don't mean worse like in an inappropriate way. I mean like the writing was awful, the acting was awful, the story was awful. So somebody go ahead, just yell one out. Wow, you all said it so, like, in sync that I couldn't make out any of them. So somebody up here said something. What was it? Now you all get quiet? Seriously? Somebody back there. Mars oh, Mars Attacks. Yeah, I, that was bad. That was bad. Anybody else got one? Born on the 4th of July. Born on the 4th of July. All right, another one? Yes, amen. Yes, I saw that one too. All right. Anybody else have one? I know somebody up here said something, but now they're shy. All right. Well, my wife and I would both say that the same movie was the worst for us. It was this movie called The Fountain, and it was Hugh Jackman in this movie. He was an awesome actor. Like, I love this guy, but basically, the uh, if you look online, the explanation for the movie, like the movie plot in a few words was, uh, a husband travels through time to save his cancer-stricken wife. And so you're like, "Well, wow, that's, right, that's interesting. And he was the man, so he's going to kill that role. But let me just sort of summarize what ended up on the screen, okay? So he lives in three different times as three different people. His wife dies. There's a spaceship. He gets stabbed. A priest believes that he's the father of all life. He then kills the priest. He drinks sap from a tree. He turns into grass and flowers, which kills him in that time there's a star that goes supernova, a tree absorbs the star, Hugh comes back to life only to visit his dead wife's grave. So all the time travel, the priest, all of the turning into uh, grass and the supernova star and all that, like none of it mattered and it was just the worst. Now my wife and I wish they had asked a few questions. Who, what, when, where, why? Like who who's gonna like this movie? right? What should the plot be? When and where should it make sense? And why would anybody want to watch this movie? There's a few things I would have preferred. Root Canal. I would have taken Root Canal over that hour and 36 minutes. Being slapped repeatedly in the face by a disgruntled church member. I would much rather have done that. Bang my head against concrete. I would have rather done any of those things than miss out on that. And the the, the producers of this movie, the writers, whoever, they, they all just didn't ask those really important questions. Who, what, when, where, why? And As a church, we're not gonna make the same mistake and so we're asking questions who are we here to reach what are we here to do when and where are we gonna do it and why do we do what we do We've been seeing so far in this series that vision leaks. That's why we do this series every so often, and we talk about this concept, because vision leaks. I can get up here, and we can cast vision and say, all right, church, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're here to be and accomplish, and it's like, yes, and we rally around that for a season, but just the way life is and the busyness and all we've walked through, vision eventually leaks out. In my basement, we have some issues with the plumbing once in a while. Thankfully, it usually only impacts us on the unfinished side of the basement, so I'm grateful for that, but there are times when we'll have some backups in the system and used to be that when that would happen, it would just kind of continue to accumulate until one of us went into the basement, do some laundry, and realized, oh my gosh, we have a flood down here. And then, actually, one of the nurses in the hospital told my wife and I about these incredible sensors you can get. They cost $15 or so at AMC Hardware. AMC Hardware? I think that's a movie theater. Ace Hardware. There it is. Um, and what you do is you just place it on the ground. You put a battery in, you place it on the ground, and now when there's a leak, this goes off. There are little sensors on the bottom that can sense the leak and alarm goes off. And you know what? When vision leaks in a church, some alarms start going off. Some things start to, to happen. Let me tell you some of those things. Some of it is we get in a rut as a church. We can start to feel like we're just showing up Sunday. What are we even doing? Some of us, maybe it's personally inside of us. We begin to feel spiritually like, I don't know, I'm just in a rut. Sometimes the alarm that kind of goes off is, this was huge over the last few years, we let things that aren't the main point divide us. That's been big. That's a big alarm. I think it's been going off. We've got to pay attention to and get back to the vision of what God's called us to do. Uh, We tend to be reactive rather than proactive, right? We're just sort of like reacting to things around us instead of, as a church, saying, hey, let's get on mission and let's go do this. And we have to cut ourselves some slack. The whole world has been reactive over the last two years. We've had to be. With what's happened, we had to figure out 10 different ways to do church in the last two years, And so we've been reactive, but I would love for our our church to just become proactive again, go on offense instead of just defense. You know what I mean? Another thing that happens sometimes when the vision is leaking is we're not seeing new people put their trust in Jesus. Sometimes when the vision is leaking, corporate worship grows cold. Sometimes when the vision is leaking, our individual passion for Jesus can take a hit. Sometimes when the, the vision is leaking, we can just sort of get through a weekend as opposed to maximize it, you know? And so some of those things might be true of Living Word Church right now or, or your relationship with God or mine, but some of them might not yet be. And, and so what I would love to do is talk about the vision so that if any of those alarms are going off, we can shut them down. But also, I would love to beat the alarm. I would love to, to stop the problem before the alarm even goes off. I don't know if any of you guys use Ridex. Anybody in the room use Ridex? You, you pour it right in the toilet once a month. Somebody once joked, like seriously, a product you literally just take and pour right in the toilet. But, but this is supposed to go down into your septic system and basically stabilize it so that there aren't issues. And I have to say, when we have remembered, when I, I should say I, when I remember to use the rid it keeps the, the pump from overflowing and the plumbing from overflowing and the alarm from going off. So I would almost love to pour some rid in the Living Word Church tank right now and say, man, if we could, whether there are alarms going off or not, I'd love to beat some of those alarms. I'd love for us to be so centered on the vision and the mission God has for us that we're moving forward and accomplishing the things that he has called us to. Amen? Does that sound all right? Okay, I guess not. Let's, let's pray. Let's, let's close in prayer. All right. All right, 930. We've got to wake up a little bit. You know, the 7 o'clock service is about half the size of this service, but I need you guys louder than them. Come on, all right? Who, what, when, where, and why. So let's talk about who. We saw it in the first week. Who we here to reach, and we saw everybody. We're here to reach everybody, every age, every race, every stage of life, every stage of faith, and we got real specific in the first week, and we talked about who Jesus came and really chose as his 12 followers. And here's what we saw in them. Out of the 12, you had fearful people. Some of them were rough around the edges. Some of them were insensitive. Some of them at times were unfaithful. We had a no-name. We had one called the lesser. We had a criminal, a liar. We had the lowest of the low, the religious, the doubter, and the pessimist. That's what Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And so when we're looking at our lives, we can realize if we're wrestling with any of this stuff on that list, God wants us. And we can also realize our neighbors, coworkers, and friends that might find themselves on any of these lists, he wants them too. We shouldn't be afraid to invest in them and to love them and to invite them to church to be a part of what God is doing here. Week two, we looked at this. We looked at what are we here to do and how do we do it? What are we here to do? We are here to help people center their lives around Jesus. How do we do it? We saw those five steps. You remember the acronym? Somebody yell it out? All right, somebody got it. Somebody was paying attention last week. Luke's Learn and Apply, Experience God, Worship, Connect, Serve. Learn and Apply, Experience, Worship, Connect, Serve. Those five steps, they do not save us, but they're great steps for us to take so that we are centering our lives around Jesus. And I love, I was at the men's ministry Tuesday night and somebody said, Doug, I I was sitting in church Sunday and you talked about learn, experience, worship, connect, serve. My wife looked at me and said, I know I need to worship. I need to grow in my worship. Where are you going to grow in? He said, I'm going to grow and Connect. I'm going to go Tuesday night and be at that men's thing. I'm like, yes right taking steps to center our lives around Jesus and help others do it as well today we're going to talk about when and where when and where do we help people center their lives around Jesus now why would I do two in one sermon somebody joked at the beginning of the series this was a great opportunity to do a five part that we smushed into a four part this is why I couldn't figure out how to separate when and where I think that they're interlocked, they're intermingled. I I don't think there's a way to talk about when we help people center their lives around Jesus without also talking about where we help people center their lives around Jesus. So that's what we're going to do here this morning. And it's really important. It's not the answer that you think, okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, what you're going to see today, I pray, is the incredible thing that a relationship with Jesus is and can be. And so, if you're like, I don't really care about the mission of the church, Doug. I don't really care about the vision of your church, Doug. Tell me about Jesus. Well, that's what we're going to talk about here today. So, when and where do we help people center their lives around Jesus? So, uh, the obvious answer, which we're only going to spend about 45 seconds on, is here on Sundays, okay? Yes. We want you to come in and we want your life to be centered around Jesus as we gather. Friday nights for youth. Uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, community groups, serving teams, all the million things we do. We want those events here and at the property up the street to be able to help you center your life around Jesus, and we want to help others center their life around Jesus in that when and where. Absolutely. The new property, we can't wait. We're so excited about what God's going to do with that new property. That's a beautiful when and where that's coming, okay? But that's just a very small fraction of what we believe God wants us to be doing when it comes to when and where. When and where do we help people center our lives around Jesus? I think the answer I'm going to give you today is even more exciting than a new building. What is the other when and where? Listen, it's when we're living our lives outside the church walls. When when, and where we are out of this room, there is something so powerful that happens when we are centering our life around Jesus or helping others center our lives around Jesus. See, here's the problem. Often, we limit centering our lives around Jesus to when we gather, and we limit helping others center their lives to when we're around this property or here in the building here in the property are great, but God has so much for you and I to to be involved in during our week, to be connected to him throughout our week. You know, Lord Melbourne was Queen Victoria's first prime minister, and he would get up in public, and he would say, I am all for civil religion. Britain is a Christian nation. This was the things he would say, but then he said this. Listen to this. You can read it with me. This is important. He said, however, things are coming to a pretty pass if religion is going to get personal, if religion is going to intrude on the private life. What was he saying? He was saying, I think church belongs in the building. I don't think it belongs in my day-to-day life. He said, we're we're in some trouble, right? It's it's a pretty pass. Things are getting a little bit much if it begins to intrude on our personal lives. Can I just kind of go back at, at my man, Lord Melbourne, here and just say, I think... When it intrudes on our personal life, that's when our relationship with Jesus comes alive. That's when it gets fun. That's when it gets exciting. That's when it gets passionate. Not that we can't have all these things when we gather here, but man, when you get out there and you start to live out your faith, you start to send your life around Jesus, not just Sunday, but Sunday through Saturday, when you start to impact others and see them their lives begin to center become centered around Jesus man out there that is when it really comes alive why a few reasons cuz this is where God begins speaking directly to you like it's it's important to hear the word of God preached by a preacher that's great Okay? But it becomes so exciting when God begins to speak directly to you. You begin to learn when he's nudging you to do something. He's encouraging you. He's challenging you in some way, shape, or form. That's when your relationship with Jesus gets really exciting. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about a nudge you begin to feel. A little leading and directing from God the Holy Spirit that's at work in your life, in my life. And suddenly he's speaking to you like that's unbelievable that's mind-blowing and now you're centering your life around Jesus yes here in the room but outside the walls you're helping others center their life around Jesus outside the walls that becomes so powerful another reason is because you begin to realize that God's gifted you in amazing ways read a, f- a few scriptures with me let's look at Romans 12 and then 1 Corinthians 12 Paul says this in both okay first one verse six we have different gifts According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement if it's giving then give generously if it's to lead do it diligently if it's to show mercy do it cheerfully and yes all those things can happen here in the room but man they really gain some power when they start happening out there tuesday morning wednesday afternoon thursday god's using those giftings throughout the week it goes on verse 8 to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit To another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines and so a lot of those gifts are given to build up the church but they're also given to impact the world So a lot of these things are going to be used here in the room. But also, I mean, think about this. You're out there just living your week, and all of a sudden a neighbor comes to you this week with a crisis in their life. You just have a gift of faith, and you rally around that person. You're like, oh, no, no, we're going to pray for the God of heaven and earth to bring breakthrough. And a faith rises up in you that God has placed in you for that person. Somebody else comes to you, and they have an issue, and they don't know what to do, and God gives you a word of wisdom. You just have a word back. I know. I can see what you're supposed to do. I can see how God will lead and direct you. Man, watch how that begins to ignite your faith when you're out there. Tragedy strikes somebody, and the gift of generosity and care just comes welling up inside of you, and you begin to start a GoFundMe for them, and you take care of their meals for the next few weeks. You watch how your faith and your centering your life around Jesus grows and how you begin to help others center their life around Christ in those ways. It's absolutely unbelievable. This is where you begin to see your friends put their trust in Jesus. You begin to share your faith. Now here, everybody look up at me real quick. This is so important. Some of us think to ourselves, I definitely missed that, Doug. I would love to tell my neighbors and the people I work with about Jesus, I missed it. I've been living in the same neighbor for 20 years, I've never told one person about Jesus. I've been at the same job for five years, I never mentioned I even go to church. How can I start now? Rick Warren, I recently heard him say this. He said, I think one of the things we have to start doing is called apologize evangelism. Apologize evangelism, what is that? It means you go to your neighbor and say, Bob, I have known you for 20 years. And I've never told you about the most amazing thing in my life. I'm so sorry for that. Can I tell you a little bit about Jesus? You go to that person in your school. You've been on the football team with the last three years. And you're saying, I'm so sorry. I never told you what's made such an impact in my life. Some of us, that's the key to winning our neighbors to Christ. is just starting there and saying, man, i got no excuse. And I'm just so sorry. But here is what's going on in me. I'd love to share it with you. Right? Man, that's when you start to really see your relationship with Christ take off when you're centered around him and helping others become centered around Jesus as well. So let me make this really clear for you. When and where do we help people center their lives around Jesus? Well, one thing I don't want to do here is put a great weight on you. And the great weight would be to say this. You have to help people center their lives around Jesus every time and everywhere. Every time and everywhere. Now listen, This is an important distinction we need to be centering our lives around jesus every time and everywhere because he wants that kind of relationship with us like we saw last week i had i had that board out here right and there was entertainment on there there was school and work on there there was our future our past on there there was all kinds of things on that board and we had jesus right in the middle of it if you remember last week and so that's an every time everywhere type of thing but here's the important distinction If I were to say to you, okay, now let's go out there into our week, and at every time and everywhere we go, let's win everybody for Jesus. You know what that would do to you? That would kill you. It would kill your relationship with God. It would kill your relationship with your spouse. It would destroy your relationship with your children. Why? Because you can't do that. I can't do that. There's only one person that can be everywhere, every time. And what's his name? God, right? Because he's omnipresent. Everybody say omnipresent. He's everywhere, every time. And he's the only one that could pull that off. And when Jesus came, he didn't even pull off every time, everywhere, did he? No. There were times he would take his followers and they'd go hide, literally. Like people would be looking for him. They'd be running around lakes to find Jesus. Where have you been? Oh, I've been with my guys, or I've been with my heavenly father. He would leave the 12 and he would just go climb a mountain somewhere early in the morning and seek his father. So even Jesus in the flesh didn't pull off every time, everywhere. What did he do? Ready? This is the important distinction. What, what, what? sorry, can I get that right? When and where are we going to help people center their lives around Jesus? When and where did Jesus help people center their lives around him? You ready for this? This is the answer. Anytime and anywhere, God leads us to do it. Not every time, everywhere, but anytime, anywhere, God leads us to do it. But Doug, I thought this is like a Sunday morning thing. Don't we just do this when we gather here? Oh, well, this is important, but no, we want to be anytime, anywhere type of people where God can speak to us and lead us and direct us, and suddenly we can make a great impact on somebody else's life. So we're going to look at some scriptures here together. Jesus had healed a lame man. This man hadn't walked... Jesus heals this man, and if you know the story, you know something. You know the religious leaders got upset with him, right? They said, hey, you can't do this on the Sabbath day. They're looking at this miracle, and they, all they can see is they thought Jesus broke their rule. And they get just as upset as the man who was healed. Why? Because he got up, and he had been laying on a mat, and he picked up his mat, and they said, hey, that's work. You can't work on the Sabbath. Can I just, little, little side note for today. You ready for this? Because this stuff kind of infuriates me, all right? religion at its worst is this when you look at a miracle god has done but all you see is the person that you think broke a rule right god does something huge and all you go wait wait, you can't do that here think about it they were upset with jesus because they thought he was doing ministry in the wrong when and where and jesus is going oh no anytime anywhere my heavenly father wants me working I'm working. Let's see how this plays out. Look what it says in John 5, 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. So right away we see that Jesus had an awareness that his father was working, that he was doing some things. He was tuned into that. And this is where I think we struggle. I think we come into Sunday and we're like, okay, Lord, if you want to work today, then great. And I just pray, and I pray, we prayed as a team today, God, we just so need you. We need so much more than people. We need so much more than a preacher. We need so much more than people on a stage singing. We need so much more than people encouraging one another and praying. We need to encounter you, God. We have got to encounter you, or what a waste of time. But here is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, okay, I'm connected to my father that not only here do I expect an encounter with him, but out there in my week I expect an encounter with him. When I'm walking and meeting with a a lame man in the middle of nowhere here, I'm expecting to be able to see him come back and walk. And I think for you and I, we really wrestle with this, that, that the Lord would nudge us this week in some way, that he'd speak to us, that he'd encourage and challenge us in some way this week. I think I told the story a few years ago. I was fixing some siding on my house, and I was with the, with the hammer just kind of tapping in some new siding that needed to be replaced. And so I'd be like, whap, whap, whap. And all of a sudden, I heard behind me, like 20 feet behind me, like, whap, whap, whap. And that's weird. I haven't heard an echo all day here. I don't know what's going on. And so I got another nail out, and I whap, 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 and I whap, 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 like right behind me. I, I turn around, and it's my little three-year-old neighbor. He's in his in his in his side yard, and he's he's peeking around the tree at me. And every time I would tap, 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 he had a little green hammer. He'd go over his tree and just tap, tap, tap. I whap, 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 and I started doing rhythms. I'm like ba, ba, ba. He's like ba, ba, ba. I'm like ooh, drummer, drummer, drummer coming. Man, but what a beautiful picture. Like, imagine if that's us and our Heavenly Father, right? God, what are you up to today? What, what are you tapping on over there? What are you tapped into? What are you doing? Because I want to be a part of that. I want to be moving when you move. I think we can really wrestle with this. A few months ago, I was at work, and I was talking with some of the guys. I'm like, man, I, you know what I hate? I really hate when I'm talking with somebody, and they have their phone out, and they're not hearing anything I'm saying. Like, that drives me nuts, right? Somebody gets a text, you're in mid-conversation, the stupid ding goes off, and they're just lost, right? Gone on the phone, and I'm like, I really hate it. That, that makes me so angry, I get so frustrated when people do that to me. Not 20 minutes later, I'm sitting at my desk, and my ding goes off here, and I'm looking at my text, and all of a sudden I hear laughter in the room, and I look up, and there's two guys on our team standing by the door, and I'm like, what? They're like, Doug. We were just standing over here calling your name for the last like four minutes because we need to leave and we want to say goodbye. And I'm looking at my phone, and then they're like, "Man, I really hate when people like don't listen to what I'm saying because they get a text or something like that." You know, I think that maybe that's how we treat God sometimes, don't we? Like he's he's speaking to us, and we're just tuned out. And listen to me, man. Life is busy. It is crazy. It is nuts. But what an amazing thing it would be if this week we're we're fixing pipes for somebody or, or we're you know carving up some some food for somebody at work or we're meeting with a student in our school or we're out running out there on the basketball court at recess or practice or whatever it might be for you and in that moment we were just listening enough for that nudge of god that we could encourage somebody that we could pray for somebody that we could bless somebody that we could have a gift of faith or a word of wisdom or something that would come up out of us because god is working and i love that jesus here is recognizing that his father is working it says the next verse in verse 18 for this reason because jesus just equated himself with god For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God. And let me just say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, watching online, you are here in the room, I want to let you know that Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just a prophet. He was not somebody who was just coming to give a message. He was God in the flesh. And he came to rescue you and I from our sin. It goes on in verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself Is that a shocking scripture to anybody? The Son, who is God in the flesh, can do nothing by himself. Well, why? Well, because although He's fully God, He's also fully what? He's fully man. And like I said before, He is now limited to a physical body. And so He can't be every time, everywhere. He's anytime, anywhere. His Father is leading him. But here he makes this incredible statement. If Jesus is dependent on the moving of his Father, man, how much are you and I dependent on the moving of the Spirit of God and, and what the Father is up to? Like, How dependent are we on his every leading and his every move and his every direction in our life? And then he explains it a little more. He says he can only do or do only what he sees his Father doing because what, whatever the Father does, the Son also does jesus is saying i healed the guy in the mat because my father wanted the guy on the mat healed and you didn't like the what and the when and the where and the how why i did it but but i'm going to tell you i am connected to him and tuned into him and plugged into him and he is leading and directing and empowering me and he wanted that man healed i don't care if you don't like the when and the where i'm going to be connected to what god is doing this is where it gets fun guys this is where we get passion. This is where we discover God's gifting. This is where we see people come to Christ when we are out there in the world connected to the Lord and this should not feel like a burden. I don't want you to walk through your week like guilty and, and beaten down. Like, oh, Doug says I have to like, connect with God throughout my week. No, what an incredible thing to see somebody find faith in Jesus, to see someone find encouragement, because God's leading us to encourage them. Like, what a different way to live our week. I'm telling you, as somebody who gets to see people take steps toward Jesus, there's just nothing like that. I want that not just to happen here in my life on Sunday. I want that to happen throughout the week. I want that to happen as I'm just connecting with the Lord. Imagine that relationship with him. Anytime, anywhere he's moving, I'm moving. Every time, everywhere, I'm close to him and I'm centering my life around him. But anytime, anywhere, he's leading me to do something, I'm in on it. We have some people here in the church who've had a burden to just care for some of the homeless in their community. It's not like a church ministry. They've just decided this is what we want to do. And just this past week, there were some people who knew somebody in the community that was living outside and knew how cold it was and they were collecting money be able to put this person up in a hotel. I got a text this morning that they were able to get some tents because this person had a tent, but it was a very, very thin tent. They got a a much more intense tent, a much warmer tent for this person. That's the nudge of the Spirit in our lives. That's what could happen. We can provide for somebody the least of these, right? That's what Jesus called somebody like that. And what did he say? When you do it to the least of these, you do it as unto me. Man, what a beautiful thing. What an exciting thing, a powerful thing we can be invited into. God just nudges us. Hey, go pay for that guy's meal. Especially if you see me in a restaurant. That's definitely the Lord speaking right now. Go pay for that guy's meal. Go encourage that person. Go pray for them. Just go love them. Go go, go remind them that they're going to get through it. That it's okay. Go remind them that somebody came for them. A Savior died to remove their sin. Like what an amazing thing that we can be a part of. And so when and where do we help people center their lives around Jesus? Anytime and anywhere. God is leading us to do it. I'm just telling you, that's when it gets fun. That's when it gets passionate. But there is an important question here, isn't there? It's probably one of the biggest questions Christians ask. How do I know when it's God? How do I know when God's nudging me? How do I know when he's leading me and directing me? How do I know it's his voice? How do I understand when it's not just me or what I ate for lunch, but it's really him directing me to impact somebody well let's talk about it for a few minutes how do we know when God nudges us first of all let me just say this it takes time it takes time to get to know his voice and again I'm not talking about an audible voice but his nudge and his leading and his direction in our life it just takes some time the 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 more you spend time with the Lord the more you know his voice my family and I have this picture in our home this is a map on the bottom, it says, Where I met my love. This is the school that Kelly and I met him in the fourth grade. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Now, <laughs> why do I know my wife's voice so well? Because we met a long time ago. Because we've spent, don't ask me to do math right now, and I'm glad she's not in this service, many, many decades getting to know one another's voice. In fact. When I was in the hospital, the day before I was put on the vent, she came in to visit me, and they had, of course, at the time they had everybody, you know, masked up and everything. She had a mask on, she had a visor on, she had a complete gown on, and I had no clue she was coming. And so she comes in the door, and I'm half out of it, and I'm figuring she's a nurse or a cleaning lady, so I just said, hi. And she just stopped, and she said, it's your wife. And as soon as I heard the voice... I knew it was her, because for decades we've been learning one another's voice. And as you spend time with God, you will learn His nudge. You will learn what's Him. You will learn, oh that okay He's He's encouraging me to go pray for that person. He's encouraging me to go love on that person. Which, to be honest, do we really even need the voice of God to to nudge us to go love on somebody? No. And that kind of leads to the the next thought. How do we know when God is leading and directing us or speaking to us? Well, it's always going to line up with his word. It's always going to line up with his word. And so if he's telling you, hey, go love on that person, you don't have to sit there and go, Lord, is this your will? No, we, we know he wants us to go love somebody. God, you want me to be generous here? Of course he does. That's his heart. And it also works the other way, right? We know God's not telling us to go sleep with the person we're dating. God's not telling us to harbor anger or unforgiveness. God is not telling us to take revenge. He's not telling us to to take a little from the company fund when nobody's looking. Obviously, there are guardrails that the word of God gives us. Let me say this, because I think some of us got discouraged. Here's here's probably some of our stories. We felt like God was leading us once, and we went with it, and and it didn't work out. Let me just say it this way. Sometimes we miss here, don't we? But don't let that stop you for continuing to try to learn the Lord's voice. There are times we misunderstand people whose voice we even know really well. This past week, I was singing a song in our house. It's a song called Youth of the Nation by a band called P.O.D. And I was just singing it. And it goes, we are, we are the youth of the nation. We are, we are the youth of the nation. Now, my daughter, who knows my voice very, very well, said, Dad, are you singing about euthanasia? (laughs) And I said, no, it's youth of the nation. Right? Sometimes we mishear. And I just want to encourage you. Sometimes you feel like God's, hey, go love on that person. Go encourage that person. And we go and we do it. And, and you know what? Maybe, even if it doesn't go well, that was still him speaking. Jesus loved the people who nailed him to the cross, right? And so even when we love somebody or we encourage somebody and they don't receive it, that may have still been the leading of the Lord in our life. But sometimes we do miss here. And I think about Samuel in the Bible. Remember, he was just little. And he's in the temple, and, and he's presented to the Lord. Okay, you're, you're going to dedicate your life to the Lord. And, and God speaks to him and calls his name. And he runs out thinking somebody else is speaking to him. And then God calls his name again, right? And eventually, he's told, okay, next time you hear that, you say, here I am, Lord. You know, speak, right? Here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to me. I love that the first time when Samuel missed it, the Lord wasn't like, well, I ain't speaking to you again. He just, he just, he just needed to learn. He needed it for his his own experience and his own depth of relationship to grow where he knew the voice of God. And so that's why when we think God's nudging us to something, we got to do it in humility because we're imperfect sometimes. Well, we're imperfect all the time, but sometimes that plays itself out in how we communicate with somebody. I was recently with two people, and one person felt the nudge of God to encourage the other person, and I'm just there kind of taking it all in. And the one person started out by saying this, I could be totally wrong, but I feel that God wants me to share this with you. And the other person looked back at them, and said, Well, said said, Well, everything you have said so far is right. In other words, your attitude of humility at coming and saying, I think this is the Lord, but I'm just gonna say, you you you, you know, you you judge that between you and him. And then she went out to share. And he did receive and say, Yeah, yeah, I I hear the Lord in that, you know. And so that attitude of humility, because sometimes we can mishear. And then lastly, I'll just say this, we gotta take a step of faith, right? If we're going to do something like share our faith with a coworker this week, somebody we go to school with, if we're going to pay for somebody's mortgage for a month because we know that they've struggled, if we're going to um, care for somebody with um, generosity and compassion because they're going through a crisis, if we're going to speak a word of wisdom that we feel is the Lord, it, it takes a step of faith. But I'm just telling you, the when and where of any time, any way the Lord is leading man that's when it gets fun that's when it gets exciting and we will continue to grow in our ability to hear from the lord next week we're going to talk about why why we do what we do i'm excited about sharing that with you but if we begin to live this out we're going to see god man he speaks to us directly we're going to see that we're gifted in ways we never realize there's a gift of faith that rises up there's that word of wisdom there's that generosity and compassion that comes out of us we'll see friends but their trust in Jesus. And there's nothing better than that. And so here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to just say, Lord, just speak to me, direct me, lead me. I want to be connected to you and, and, and not so distracted by the texts of life that I'm ready to be used by you. And Lord, teach me what it is to hear your voice. I shared this story many years ago, but it's the most probably um, clear illustration of a time when kelly and i heard god's leading and nudge in our life and it's just so cool how it worked its way out and so if you remember this just bear with me but we were praying about when to have kids now what, what's your timing when, when are we supposed to be led to do this and so as we're praying i remember kelly was going to go on a women's retreat with some of the ladies from church and so we, we just kind of looked at each other and said, maybe this is a good time to really pray. Let's really seek the Lord this weekend that he'd speak to us. And so it started on Friday night. I was just reading through some scripture. And I purposefully chose scripture that I was like, okay, there's nothing about kids in this. You know what I mean? I don't want to cheat, you know? I want to flip to the portion of the Bible that talks about kids and be like, oh, see, the Lord's speaking to me about kids. So I just told, chose the Gospels. And as I'm reading through the Gospels, one of the first verses I get to in this section is Jesus talking about how there is pain in child labor, but when the baby comes, you forget about the pain. I'm like, well, that's kind of wacky. That's all right. I'll just kind of make a note of that, that as I was praying and asking God to speak to me, here comes this passage about childbirth. That's pretty cool. And so then Kelly comes home, I think it was Sunday afternoon, Saturday night, Saturday night, and I said, hey, did you feel like God spoke to you in any way? I said, here's what happened with me. She said, that's, that's crazy. I said, what about you? She said, well, we're driving in the church van on the way up to the women's retreat, and I look out the window, and there's a huge billboard that has a stork on it that says, now is the time. I'm like, I got a verse from 2,000 years ago. You get a billboard like this. But even with that, we were still like, all right, Lord, you got to just speak a little more, make this a little more clear. The next morning, we go to church, and and Kelly comes out to the car after church and she's, she's really emotional. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? And she pulls out a little baby outfit. I said, what, what are we, are we buying stuff already? Like, what are we? She says, no, I was in church and my cousin Maria Tomlinson was, uh, early this morning, got up and went into her, her little son Stephen's room at the time and he was out playing with this little baby outfit. And Maria said, as soon as I saw it, I just felt this nudge that I just had to give this to you. Like, I, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know why or what, if that makes any sense, but I just knew as soon as I saw it, I needed to give you this little baby outfit. And so we're like, all right, Lord. We get it in the Word. We get the stinking billboard. And now this nudge from somebody in the church, this little baby, she's like, I don't know where he got it. It shouldn't have been out. It shouldn't have been in his room. And it just seems so clearly to be the Lord leading us. Now listen, I wish I got a billboard every time. You got to talk to my wife about that. If you need some billboard God advice, then ask Kelly to pray for you, I guess. But I'm so thankful that the Lord leads us. We begin to learn his voice. He begins to nudge us and direct us. And that's when it gets fun. That's when our life is centered around Jesus. But then we're also helping others center their lives around him as well. So will you this week stay connected and say, God, anytime, anywhere, not every time, everywhere, but anytime, anywhere, Lead me, speak to me, help me to learn to know and hear the nudge and the direction of your leading and your voice. And use me. What a powerful prayer. Maybe that's the prayer this week. God, anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. Go ahead and interrupt me. Anytime, anywhere. If you're not a follower of Jesus, have you seen today? This is a relationship. This is about us being connected to God, to, to a, a nearness with him that he can use us throughout our week. Maybe you've thought religion or, you know, what we do here at Living Word Church is all about just Sunday, and then you just go live your life. No, man, w- what a horrible way to get lost in it all. No, Jesus wants to be empowering every moment. The Holy Spirit wants to be speaking and directing you. The Heavenly Father is working. He wants to be working too. So who are we here to reach? Every age, every race, every stage of life, every stage of faith what are we here to do? Help people send their lives around Jesus. Well, what are some ways we do it? Learning and applying. Experiencing God. Worshiping God. Connecting. Serving. When and where? Do we help people send their lives around Jesus? Anytime. Anywhere. He's leading us to do it. Let's pray. God, we love you, Jesus, so much for the way that you speak and direct us. We thank you so much. You have not left us to ourselves. We thank you that God, it's not like Sunday is the day and then Monday through Saturday we're out on our own and we don't have the leading of the Spirit and we don't have any opportunity and we don't have any empowerment or direction in our life. God, thank you that none of that's true. Thank you that you are so desiring to lead us and direct us this week. I just want to pray over everybody. I want to pray that, God, you will help us at school, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our family. Lord, Lord, maybe we just just really need to focus on the family. God, in our family this week, the way we treat our spouse, the way we treat our kids or our parents, the way, if we're single, we maybe treat the person we're dating or, or just those we work with or, or if we're, you know, empty nesters, the, the way that we can have an impact on those kids from afar, or whatever it might be, whatever stage of life, I just pray, God, that you'll help us. That God will say anytime, anywhere, even if it's in our home, God, in the office, at school, with friends and family god this week just nudge us nudge us let there be things that happen that are so much bigger than the normal stuff that we are used to in our week because that's where it gets fun that's where it gets exciting that's where lives are changed that's where people center their lives around you and then yeah bring them in they can come grow here they can take steps here great but god use this out there if you're a Christian today, a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to pray very specifically, God, anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere you wanna lead me this week. Would you make that clear to me? Maybe some means to pray, God, help me to know when you're nudging me. Help me know the difference between my will and your will. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. If you want to begin a relationship with him, Jesus, God in the flesh, came, he died in our place and he rose back from the dead that we would be forgiven that we would begin a relationship with him where we could know him and be empowered by him if you want to pray with me today to start that relationship then you can ask Jesus right now with me just say, Jesus, will you be my savior? will you be my God? will you teach me to know your voice? will you teach me to be led by you I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you that I'm forgiven, that I am loved, that I'm washed clean. Not based on my own works, but based on what Jesus did. Thank you for this amazing gift. In your name I pray.